This morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to proclaim the good news. Jesus told us in Mark, the 16th chapter. This is after he had been crucified. He'd risen from the dead. He's talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And before he leaves, he gives them this final command. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, we want to do... We want to talk to you about what that means to proclaim the good news and how should we be doing it. And the way that we should be doing it is by looking at how they did it. What did they do? What did they do when they thought about this idea of proclaiming the good news to other people? And so much of church building, it seems in recent years, has been built around the idea of, you know, have the right programs, have the right entertainment hook, the right gimmicks, something like that, that will draw people in and while I'm all good with the, the idea of doing programs as, as good as you can, I mean, whatever we do, the Bible says do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. I think what our programs and, and things that we offer to people ought to be the best that they can be. I'm great for that. But that's really not what church should be about. Because if it's just about, you know, drawing people in the doors, you know, and, and a cool atmosphere and a cool building and cool programs... You're basically just creating a Christian country club. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in that. I want to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want people to experience God. Uh, So, yeah, amen. So when we talk about proclaiming the gospel, it's more than just about having a cool environment. And again, I think we should have something that appeals to people. I think Celebration Church campuses have the coolest environment there is. After all, you get to see me. Brilliant! And, uh, <laughs> so I'm all good with that, but it needs to be more than, well, a lot of times people say, well, okay, if, if we're talking about preaching the gospel, then it, we have to organize that. And then we think in terms of, you know, having tracks and things that you give people and teach them the four spiritual laws or how to convince people they're going to hell and, you know, whatever else like that. We come up with these witnessing programs and stuff. And again, I'm not opposed to that per se, you know, knocking on doors and all that kind of stuff. I think whatever you can do, whatever you feel inspired to do is great. And I have certainly done it. It's like, not like I haven't done these things. I dare say I've spent more times and hours on uh, street corners and knocking on doors than some of you ever spent praying. You know, we're talking a lot of hours doing this stuff. Uh, So it's not like I haven't done it. It's just I don't believe that is, in fact, the most effective thing to do. Okay? Now, when you look at the scriptures, you can't help but be stunned about how they did it. Because it's a little different picture than what we do today. Um, They didn't just go out there and build cool buildings. And they didn't just go out there and just grab everybody by the throat and... Tell them what they think. Tell them what they think. Tell them. Look, I got a shocker for you. People don't care what you think. Somebody say amen. amen. They don't care what you think. You doubt me, go to your next door neighbor and say, you want to know what I think about God? And they'll go, no. <laughs> I don't care. You say, well, I got a brilliant idea. I got a brilliant argument. I can talk anybody. You know, you generally don't talk people into the kingdom of God. You can talk them to sleep. I do that on occasion. But uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's not the answer. What you no, notice as you read the scriptures is when they went and proclaimed the gospel, what they did is 
had a way of getting people to experience God. It was about experiencing it. That's what turned people's heads. Lives were changed. Miracles took place. Things happened. Some of them were like holy cow kind of things. Other things were very small, insignificant things. But they were still ways of experiencing God. And that's what got people's attention. What Celebration Church has to be about is that we're going to go out and, and touch people's lives and obey Jesus' command where he said, go into all the world to preach the gospel. Ultimately, what this needs to be about is about getting people to experience God in their lives. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Get out there in faith. Pray for people. There's people all around. This, this week as you go out, you undoubtedly are going to find somebody who is miserable. They're out there everywhere. They're hurting. They're in pain. And you know what's amazing is when people are really hurting, they'll tell you about it. You know, say, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. You know, I was with uh, Brian Tully who attends our uh, 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 Stevens Point campus. We went to lunch the other day over at App, uh, Applebee's. And uh, this cute little waitress comes up and she says, you know, can I get you something? I say, hey, how you doing today? And it's amazing, you know, within... Within minutes, she's telling us about how her little nephew is sick and in the hospital. She's really concerned. You know, I don't know this lady from Eve, man. I don't know nothing about her. I've never met her before. It's amazing how quickly people will open up when they're really hurting, when they're having a hard time. So she's just telling us about this thing. You know, that when someone shares with you about a struggle they're going through, don't just go, oh, that's too bad. You know, this is an opportunity. Splash some of God on him. You know, so she's saying, tell him about this book. I said, well, what's his name? She told us his name. I said, well, we're going to pray for him. And she goes, wow, thanks. And then she took off right away. So uh, our food shows up and uh, somebody else delivered the food. And uh, we're getting ready to, to pray for the food. And then she comes in to check on us real quick. And uh, she steps up just so we're bowing our heads. And we looked up and said, oh, we're just getting ready to pray. So you want to pray with us? She goes, okay. And then she sat down right next to me. this lady she sits down right next to me and she sticks her hands out because you know somebody told her you have to hold hands when you pray or something I don't know so, okay so we grabbed her hand so, so we start praying and we start praying for this little boy that God would do a miracle in his life now I don't know what's happened over the last few days in this little boy's life I'm trusting that God's doing a miracle and that little, and you know what? That's going to get this lady's attention. Quite frankly, just the act of just praying and caring enough will get a lot of people's attention. Just doing that, and don't be afraid to pray for people. Well, Pastor, what if what if God doesn't answer? That's not your problem. You're not God. We're not making this stuff up. Trust God. Put God on the spot. Say, okay, Jesus, here you go. Come on, because this is when God shows up in people's lives. When you give the opportunity. What we need are opportunities. Sadly, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a lot of hurting people. Now things are going wrong. Their marriages are falling apart. Their kids are on drugs. They just lost their jobs. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. If you will be aware and look. Something for you to pray about in the morning. Say, Lord, help me to look, look, see the opportunities. See the opportunities that are out there. And then pray with people. Say, well, what if they won't? I'll tell you what. You know, studies have shown people generally do not refuse prayer. They don't. Even people, you know, when somebody's really hurting and you offer to pray for them, 
They'll often, most of the time, they'll go, yeah. In fact, I don't know that I've ever had anybody ever say to me, don't pray for me. You know, unless you're praying for them to get saved and they don't want to get saved. You know, I don't, leave me alone, you know. But if they're hurting, you say, can I pray about that? Man, people always say, yes, thank you. Wow. Man, get up. You know, we need to be like my grandkids by the pool. You know, I get around my kids by the pool. I'm going to get wet. Because they see me coming. <laughs> and they're aiming for grandpa, man. You know, and they're, wait, stop, stop. I'm running for my life, you know. That's the way we ought to be. People get near us, we ought to be splashing God all over them. Just be crazy in the pool. Hallelujah. They may not even want to get wet. That's okay. Don't get near me because I'm going to splash on you. you know, be, we have to have an attitude of a salesman. You know what salespeople do? They often got to, they got to often present their product or service many times before one person will say yeah. Some of the most successful salespeople in the world who make tons of money all day long hear no. All day long they hear no. Nah, 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 nah. Man, if you, if, if you just keep talking to enough people as a salesman, you'll make a sale. Maybe it's one out of ten. So if you want to make three sales in a day, how many people you got to talk to every day? Thirty. Some of you went to school. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be a test today. <laughs> Thirty people a day, that means the vast majority are going to say no to you. But if three say, yeah, you had a good day. But don't worry about what, you know, what's going to happen. Just get out there and pray and trust God. Splash around. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Oh, no, the worst is you pray for somebody and they drop over dead. That would be the worst. You start doing that, then you don't have to pray for people anymore. All right? Never pray for you. Whoops. You know. Man, give God opportunity to touch people's lives. And don't be, and I, you know, I am convinced that one of the reasons a lot of y'all struggle to get answered prayer in your life is because the enemy knows that if he can keep you from getting answered prayer, you'll become discouraged and the last thing you want to do is pray for somebody else. In fact, some of you who are struggling the most right now, I know a lot of you all stood up for prayer and stuff this morning as we were praying. Man, I'm sure the campuses, we asked how many of you need prayer, maybe 80% of you would stand up. I'll tell you what, instead of focusing on you this next week, how about you go pray for somebody else? Watch God do start doing miracles. It'll build your faith. Don't let unanswered prayer in your life uh, discourage you. Don't be afraid. People want to be prayed for. And I'll tell you what, what's so important about this, as you look at the scriptures, is these people would experience God, or they saw other people experiencing God, and it touched them. In fact, I think if you'd be honest and look at your own life, man, this is what really, this is how God got a hold of you. It wasn't just some argument, it was because, you know, some preacher got there and said, blah, 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 and it changed your life. Man, it's because you experience God in your life. Even as you continue to grow in your faith. I encourage you, keep experiencing God. This is what grows and builds your faith. Because, you know, arguments, few people are swayed by argument. You can argue with people all day long. What really touches people is experience in your life. You know, uh, <laughs> I just had a testimony. Uh, somebody emailed me about a month ago. Um, 
you know, they were about to step out in faith and start tithing and trusting God and, and, and giving, you know, more significantly into the kingdom of God. It's kind of a scary thing. You know, if you've never really given much money to the kingdom of God, now, the kind of church I was raised in, man, if you threw a buck in the offering, you were like something else. That's right, it's a dollar. You know, when you start really stepping up and doing something significant. Anyway, they said they were out on their boat fishing and they were talking about, man, should, should we do this? Should we really start stepping out and being faithful and, 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 and giving into the kingdom of God? And, and they finally said, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's just trust that God is going to bless us. If we start doing this, we're going to trust that God is going to bless us. And they said, okay. They said, right after they made that decision, a 30-inch northern pike jumped out of the water and landed right in the boat. Now that's cool. I don't care who you are. God, I'm going to trust you to bless us. Amen. All of a sudden, that is cool. Now that had a big impact on Why? Because it was an experience, you see. When God starts showing up in your life, that's what we need. Now, I want us to take a look. We're going to do this over the next couple of weeks here. I want to just go right to the Bible and show you what these guys did when they talked about preaching the gospel, sharing their faith. It wasn't just some program they went through. It wasn't some you know, bunch of tracts that they handed to people. It wasn't what changed the world in a handful of years was these people went out and they caused God to be experienced in people's lives. So we're going to look at this. Matthew, the, the uh, fourth chapter. Now this is talking about the life of Jesus. Jesus had just started his ministry. He's 30 years old. He went out into the desert. And he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Uh, the devil tempted him, that whole thing that, that you know the story. Anyway, and then it says right after that, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? He told them, go preach. Well, what did he preach? This is what he preached. He said, repent. Turn away from the wrongness in your life. Why? Why would I do that? Why? Repent because you're going to go to hell? Was that his message? No. Could have been. Was it true? Yeah, without God in your life, you're headed in a bad direction. But he said, why? What was the motivation? Why repent? He says, because the kingdom of God is near. God is right here. See, when you start really communicating that to people, that gets people's attention. We're not talking about God way out there in outer space somewhere. We're not talking about God way off in a distance. We're not talking about God after you die kind of you encounter. We're talking about you can experience and meet God right here, right now. That's what Jesus started to preach. And everybody went, what are you talking about? You can experience God? You can really experience God? See, you know, it's not, we're not talking about religion here, people. Christianity isn't like every other religion in the world. We just learn a bunch of stuff, and this is the way we think, and this is what we do, and this is what we pray. Well, there's, there's elements of it, but that's not what this is about. We're talking about experiencing God. God is near. This is the good news. He's right here. He can change your life. And you don't have to earn it first. And what's the amazing thing is we look at this is how often they had miracles in people's lives who weren't even believers. In fact, the vast majority of them weren't believers at all. 
It's not like you first have to get them to church and then they have to believe and then they have to go to classes and then they have to get baptized and then we have to do this to them and that to them and they learn and study the Bible and then eventually they can start experiencing God. I mean, that's kind of Christianity today. That's where we've drifted. It's all about programs and this and that. And thank God for what they're doing. You know, at least we're getting some people in church. But we're not changing our culture. We're not changing the world. The way these guys started, they, the first thing they did before these people knew anything, boom, God moved in their lives. Now that'll get your attention. That'll change you. When you start out experiencing God, whoa, very cool. So God is, Jesus is talking to people and starting to experience God in their lives. Um, and not all of it was like super dramatic. Some of it was some of the simplest things. I love the story in, in 1 John, the 29th chapter. Uh, no, First uh, John, the uh, 43rd chapter. Jesus has just been calling his disciples. Uh, he just called uh, uh, Andrew and Peter and he meets Philip. So he says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He finds Philip and he says to him, follow me. Well, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip goes and finds Nathaniel and tells him, hey man, you, you need to come. This is the one Moses was talking about. This is, the, this is the Messiah. The prophets wrote about Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And his response was, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, what's that's that? That's like Minneapolis. <laughs> ah, get over it. Uh, <laughs> so he says, well, come and see. So when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, now here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathanael says, how do you know me? Or he just meets Jesus. He's like, here's a good guy. So how, do you, how do you know anything about me? And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, we don't know what happens here. And we know, something happens under this fig tree that just Nathaniel knew about. You know, it would be like, you know, you're in your house and you're mad and you're frustrated and you step into the closet and scream. Ah! And then you step out and your friends show up and you go and all of a sudden guy comes, introduces, well, how do you know me? I saw you when you're in the closet screaming. How do you know that? You know, so I don't know what happened under the figure. What was going on? Something significant that nobody but Nathaniel thought knew about. He says, "Oh yeah, I saw saw you under the fig tree before your brother shows up." Whoa, that is cool. This simple little thing. There's no argument here yet. There's no great revelation. There's no. This is what I think about that, and this is what I think about this, and this is what I think about the other. He instantly is transformed because he experiences God in a little tiny way. And his response says, he says, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And I love the way Jesus responds. You believe because I I told you I saw you under the fig tree? He says, you're going to see greater things than that. Ooh, cool stuff. But even that simplest little experience with God his attention Jesus goes on and he's doing miracles he changes the water into wine that'll that'll draw a crowd (laughs) he's healing people and stuff and doing stuff I mean again it wasn't just what he said although when they would gather they would hear him but the opening was God is here really how do you know that kaboom whoa God is here They would experience God praying for people, doing stuff that just took everybody by storm. 
Some of it was even in the simplest of ways, like with Nathaniel. I, I love the story. Jesus, in the uh, fourth chapter of John, is uh, uh, talking to this woman from Samaria. It says in verse 4, he says, Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And, and the Jews, you have to understand, culturally, the setup here is the Jews can't stand the Samaritans. Just can't stand them. You talk about racism. You talk about segregation. You talk, they had nothing to do with these people. They were like scumbags. All right, They had issues, issues with the Samaritans. So he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given his, to his son Joseph. Well, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It's about the sixth hour. Then a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Jesus said, hey, will you give me a drink? Because the disciples had gone into town to buy food. They had to go to the Piggly Wiggly or something. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How come, how come you ask me for a drink? See, because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. It says right there. They, didn't, they wouldn't even talk to these people. This woman's kind of taken back. Why, why are you talking to me? You're Jewish. Why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, look, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you'd ask him for a drink. He'd give you living water. Well, this lady didn't get it. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank with it from it? So did his sons and his flocks and herds. She didn't get it. She didn't understand. You have to understand. People generally don't understand spiritual things. They don't get it. The Bible says their eyes are kind of blind. You know what I'm talking about? When you came to faith, all of a sudden, boom. It's like, whoa, I get it. I get it. Something has changed in me. When you start experiencing God. Well, Jesus says, look, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She still doesn't get it. Now, you would think when you're talking to Jesus, everybody would get it. Wouldn't you think? You know, you can get it. Well, I, I talk to people don't know what I'm talking about. Well, this is Jesus talking. She still doesn't get it. He's talking about living water bubbling up in you. She says, well... Sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty anymore. And I won't have to keep coming to the stupid well to draw water. Can I have some of this? This is great. One, one drink, I don't be thirsty anymore. This is awesome. <laughs> Nothing. So what happens next? Jesus says, okay. He says, well, go call your husband and come back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Something's up. And she goes, uh, well, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. Now watch, she was thinking, I have no idea. You would think after two or three, you'd get the clue. <laughs> this ain't working for me. Five, five husbands. I mean, come on, ladies. You're going to go through this five times? alive five times you've had five husbands and you know what the, it doesn't say how old this lady is it's not like she's an old lady she's gone through five of them already man I was going to say something about being nice and then the man you now have is not even your husband so you're living with this cat now you've had five husbands you're living with a guy now he's not even your husband he says so you're right what you just said it's quite true well, now 
he's got her attention. Something happens. Why? She didn't get the spiritual talk. She didn't get the brilliant. I mean, this is brilliant what Jesus talks about. Brilliant, brilliant, to put in the words of these other guys. This is brilliant what he's talking about, about the life of God coming to you and sprawling up into you, the well of life, living water. And we get it now. It's brilliant. But she didn't get any of it. What got her attention? Supernatural touch of God. He knew something about her. No one. There's no way he could have known this. Whoa. Says in verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now check this out. Check this lady. He's not even a believer yet. First thing she does is run out and preaches the gospel to everybody. She's the biggest evangelist in town. Why? Touched by God. Supernatural display. It's a little tiny thing. We're not talking big miracles here. He didn't raise somebody from the dead. He didn't split the water and have one walking on the water he wasn't turning water into wine he just said something to her that no way he could have known it so impacted her because there was a divine touch in that she goes out and she's preaching to everybody else man you need to come check this guy out well they came out of the town and made their way toward him it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything I ever did so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Which again, is pretty amazing. Remember, he wasn't supposed to be hanging with these people. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. But now we've heard for ourselves. But see, it started out. Started out experiencing God. Experiencing God. When you start experiencing God, it changes. Now what we're going to be doing as we go over the next couple of weeks... I'm going to walk you through the Gospels. I want you to see how they did this and what Jesus did. How oftentimes these people weren't believers at all and would experience miracles in their lives. We're going to be sharing a story. I love this story coming up. We'll talk about it next week. Where Jesus prays for God to get healed. Who didn't even ask to be healed? It kind of freaked him out. Everybody said, how'd you get healed? He went, I don't know. <laughs> the whole town was, everybody was having a fit. And this, I mean, it's a hilarious story. We're going to get into this next week. But I mean, this is what... They, and then you're going to see after Jesus. Well, that was Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But remember, he told them, you go and start proclaiming the gospel everywhere. Well, they didn't have witnessing classes. And they didn't start printing up tracts. And they started all these programs and churches. They went and what they do? What he'd been doing. Why? Because that's all they ever saw. That's all they knew. So then they went out and they start touching people's lives. And there's some, oh, I'm telling you, we're going to have some entertaining services over the next couple of weeks. Because there's some funny stuff. I love, they, they went out there. They're healing people. Didn't even ask to be healed, just like Jesus did. They're having opportunities. Somebody's in pain. Oh, let me pray for you. Boom. Whoa! I mean, this is great stuff. I was talking, about, talking to Pastor Ross this last week about this. He was talking about this young man who was down on the other end of the building. He wasn't a Christian. He started complaining. Man, my back hurts. Oh, man, I don't know what I did. Ross says, let me pray for you. And he grabs the guy's hand and just starts praying for him. All of a sudden, the guy goes, holy sugar. He didn't say sugar. I leave it up to your imagination what he said. God healed him just like that. And the pain was gone. He yells, holy, and runs out of the church. 
I don't care who you are. That's cool. What is that? That's just splashing God on people. That young man has been touched by the divine. Now he can come and he can listen and he can hear. You, don't, you see, you don't have to. You, see, you probably could have sat there and witnessed to this kid all day long and argued with him. And argue about this, and arguing about that, and argue about evolution, and argue about whether or not, no, can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? And all kinds of stupid things that people come up with, you know. <laughs> if there's really a God, why is there bad stuff in the world? And what about this? What about that? <laughs> you see, you go down that rabbit hole, you're just going to spin in circles. Now, sometimes you got to go down the hole. The Bible says you've got to be able to know what you believe so you can answer people. I'm cool with that. But what? changes people what will change this church what will grow this church in a powerful way is not cool programs it's not some organized activities although all that's still cool I'm not against that stuff but what really this has to be about is people experiencing God if we can if I can get all y'all all y'all out there in celebration land just start splashing God on people this week go out there and just man God is near God is there. It freaks me because people don't expect God to be near. You know what people think? God has abandoned them. That's what they think. You know what a lot of people think? There is no God. That's what they think. And then you show up and say, guess what? What? God is right here. What are you talking about? He's right here. Let me pray for you. Woo! I'm telling you. And again, don't force it on people. Look for people who are in need. Who is Jesus going up to? People who are blind, broken, hurting this woman. I'm sure she was a scourge of the earth in her community. Five husbands already? Good Lord, what is her problem? I for all I know, she killed all five of them. Who knows? Some idiot's living with her now. <laughs> what's, that? what's that guy's problem? He's not going to all the happy people. He's not going to all the content people. He's not going to all the people who think they have their lives together. You just be nice to those people. Look for the people who are hurting. And I promise you, there is a world of them out there. And when you get out there, man, start splashing God on him. So I don't know what to say. You don't need to know how to say anything. What you can say is, can I pray for you? Everybody understands that. You start praying for people and God starts actually answering your prayers. You what? We cannot build buildings fast enough to hold all these people. If we start preaching the gospel, that's the proclaiming of the gospel. That's the stuff people can't argue about. When God shows up and starts touching lives. All right, this is just installment numero uno. We're going to look at it because I, w- I want you to get this because if we make this church about this, we'll change the world in which we live. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite all the ushers to come forward to the different campuses, get ready to serve communion. Musicians can come back up. Man, this is, I, I want it to be about this. I, I just don't care about all the programs. I mean, I, I know we got to do them and stuff, but that's... This isn't supposed to be about that. This is supposed to be about people experiencing God. So let me ask you this morning. Maybe you're here visiting for the first time. Maybe you never heard anything like this. You're still freaking out because people were singing cool songs at the beginning. I don't know. <laughs> let me ask you, have you experienced God in your life? So I, I don't know. I, I'm a nice guy. I... I saw Bambi and cried. I'm not so hard. Look, I I don't know what you've done, where you're at. 
you need to experience God in your life. We're about to take communion together. This is what Christianity, this, this is the central point here. Jesus Christ died on the cross. His blood was shed for us. His body was broken cruelly. He took our punishment so we could have forgiveness of sins. That's what the message of the gospel is about. And the good news is if you will receive that, if you will accept that, if you will put your faith in that, God will forgive you of your sins and you can start experiencing God in a way you never thought possible. The good news is God is right here, people. He's right here, right now. And he can touch you. I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads in a word of prayer with me. Perhaps you've never experienced God's grace and forgiveness in your life. If you're willing to turn away from the wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith this morning. We're going to pray this prayer together. If you'll mean this from the bottom of your heart, you're going to start experiencing God today. Let's pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and pass out the communion this morning. If you're a first time guest or visitor,